This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. You know, for a lot of people, that music right there is the ultimate Batman. And thing is, we've all been watching it for many, many years. Tomorrow, Batman is turning 80 years old. 19, can you believe that? 1939, last time. The first time he ever appeared in Detective Comics was so long ago, it was even before the Second World War. And yet here you have this character that remains so... Uh, relevant to people in pop culture today. Still, we have these movies. Still, we have these cartoons. Still, we have these comics. What is it about Batman that makes that character stay so relevant to all of us out there? Why does it still captivate us? That's what we're going to talk about with our next guest. Paul Zaris with us, a University of Victoria neuroscientist, also the author of Chasing Captain America, How Advances in Science, Engineering, and Biotechnology Will Produce a Superhuman. Hi, Paul. Hi, Simi. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks very much for joining us to talk about this. I take it you are a Batman fan. Yeah, and my first book was Becoming Batman uh, back uh, 11 years ago. So I wrote about him as a hero back then and the science behind what it might take to become the Cape Crusader. You mean somebody could actually do that? Well, not really, no. Uh, <laughs> but you can do parts of it. And that's the thing about a superhero like like Batman. He, he's pitched as a human being, right? As we all are human beings. So we, we see bits of ourselves in him and... And some of the stuff that Batman does, you know, you can achieve. It's just you can't really become the whole package. And do you think that is what makes the difference then between, say, Batman versus Superman, where Superman really had superpowers, but Batman is a regular person, albeit with a lot of money, though, who gave himself those powers? Yeah. If you if you look at the history, like you were just talking about, and you go back to the 30s and you, you read interviews of the writers and the, and the artists and fans over the years, one thing comes out of all that, and that is that people identify with Batman as being a human. Maybe not all the things Batman does they want to do, but they, they see that he's been somebody who, just with sweat and effort and a, a bit of time, you know, did something to improve himself to get some skills. And people see, you know, hey, that inspires me. Maybe I could do some of that, or at least I could think people are capable of some pretty amazing things if they just work at it. Is it that Batman seems more approachable to us? I think so. I mean, uh, no offense to Superman or, you know, Wonder Woman or these other characters who have, you know, gods or born on another planet to give them powers. They give us lots of good things and good stories and empowerment role models, but they're not humans. Um, whereas Batman is and always has been pitched as this human being who, as it turns out, needed like crazy genetic profile and, as you say, money and so on to do everything. But again, a human being, which means, you know, we think maybe we could do some of those things too. Right. And with a backstory that perhaps appeals to us, like with that tragedy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's one of those things where you buy right in to this idea of a character that you have sympathy for and is engaging. And of course, you know, Superman's backstory was, you know, his parents died too, or theoretically back on Krypton, but he didn't really know about it. You know, it wasn't, they weren't killed in front of him the way we have this horrific backstory for uh, for Batman, I think that draws a lot of people in. Uh, there's sympathy, there's compassion, there's um, engagement because we see various aspects of you know our own lives and things that have happened to Batman. When did, when is it? Do you think that these comic book characters, these superheroes, took a more serious turn, took a more darker turn? Because we were thinking about like the Adam West Batman that was very campy. That was there's a lot of comedy involved in that. But what we see and what we certainly have seen over the last thirty years is much darker. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, though, if you actually read all the stuff or you go back, he started off super dark. 
Like Batman, the Joker, like all these things, they were like really evil and really nasty things going on. Then into the 50s, uh, it shifted a bit because things were supposed to be a little bit more light. And there was the comic book code that came out and all these things. And they shifted to a bit more fun stories. Then it got a bit darker again. Then when the when the show came around, it transformed the comics because they all became campy. And then going into the, the 70s again, things started to shift back towards uh, a more darker kind of origin, which, as you point out, we're still seeing now. Um, maybe too dark in some cases, I would say, for some of the stories, but it is actually quite close to where it started. Yeah, recently, I would say, like, even the Christian Bale series, that was a lot darker than even the Michael Keaton ones. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, they give you a very different take on on, on Batman. Um, one of the things about the, the, the Christopher Nolan trilogy with Christian Bale is it, re- it really is very faithful homage to a lot of those darker storylines that it really reflected, you know, the whole idea of this real vigilante Avenger, you know, doing all these things that, that was in the comics as well. So, um, I don't know if that's reflecting society too, because I think that happens too, where, uh, art mimics life and back and forth. Yeah. I wonder if we kind of delve into the psychology of this as well, Paul, is there something about the Batman character that we all have another side to us too, that is hidden away from everybody? Yeah, I think there is a bit of that, you know, because you literally have the alter ego idea of, of somebody who's got, and, and the debate all the time and people who study this is, is who is the alter ego? Is it Batman or is it Bruce Wayne? Um, right. But you've got this idea of somebody underneath doing some things or exploring, you know, darker sides or more powerful or more successful or, or a different side. And I think, I think in some ways it almost fits the the kind of vicarious experience that people have when they watch sports, right? They, they see themselves as the player, they endorse the team or they're following whatever, and they see the success or the failure and they, they go with that. And I think that also happens in the psychology around, you know, almost embodying the character you see in somebody like Batman. Right. The Batman character I find so fascinating because 80 years old, but yet the story, the origin story, the gadgets, all of that, that, that part of it, the essence of the character has remained unchanged during that time. Yeah, it really is uh, fascinating, and, and as you point out, and I think it, it speaks to what you were talking about earlier, that the power of this character is so strong, is so engaging, that it, it literally is timeless. It's like an evergreen concept that um, we'll always have this idea that people always want to do more than we can, so Batman's always going to fill that sort of box to check off, and he's got that tragic backstory which engages us, and that's always going to be there. And then the idea with, you know, some of the uh, technological adaptations, things, we're always fascinated by that, too. So um, you throw in the other point you made about, you know, thinking about exploring things that we might not do in our, in our whatever alter ego we have. Yeah. Um, and he's always going to be engaging. Now, Paul, I have to ask you, because we're asking a lot of people this question today, who is your favorite Batman? Well... <laughs> I have to have one, do I? I can't. I well, the four choices that we here. gave people is that our criteria for this was that you it, they had to have played Batman more than once, and we're looking at like movies or television, not voice actors. So it, okay, the choices okay, so. were uh, Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, Ben Affleck, and Adam West. <laughs> You're skewing the results a little bit if that's how you present them. By the way. <laughs> we had them written um, out. I wasn't I wasn't presenting them like that. So what's, who would you um, say is the I, uh, best? I def for me. I'm a Christian Bale fan. Are you? Um, I just I really thought 
Uh, with the exception, I thought the voice thing was a little bit odd. Like he really went to the yeah. other registers he didn't need to do. But um, I thought the portrayal and the way the character was shown, and then he's embodied in that as the, the sort of actor, I really found that engaging. And for me, he's by far my favorite uh, actor for Batman. I'm always amazed. What amazes me about this character is that every time you hear there's like, oh, a new person coming out playing Batman, and you're like, what, another one again? And then you watch it and you go, hey, that was pretty good. Or you might not think that for some of them. <laughs> now, see, now you're talking about Ben Affleck there, aren't you? <laughs> did I give it away? Yeah, uh, yeah you did. I have to say, at least uh, Ben Affleck wasn't the worst thing about the movie he was in. But um, yeah, I, 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 I think that the, we all have sympathies for some of these different actors and characters. Um, some of them are better than worse. I know you didn't have Val Kilmer on there. Well, you one did. time. He only played it once, right? That's true. Yeah, good point. But I, I just thought that the representation we saw with, with Bale was just very honest portrayal of what the real character, for me at least, represents. And then, and then the way it was written and, and directed, it was just the films themselves were captivating, I thought, as well. You clearly like superheroes, right? Because you study them. Yeah, I mean, it's something that, you know, I'm a neuroscientist who studies how we walk around and how we can get better after stroke and so on. But I got into that because my mom liked comic books. She was born in the golden age of comics and she read all the original Batman and Superman. She gave that love to me. That's what got me interested in martial arts. That's what got me into science. So all these things kind of connect together. And so there's kind of a nice sort of uh, symmetry to all this stuff that keeps me engaged over the years. Did your mom keep any of those comic books, Paul? Because that, they'd be worth a fortune. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, of course. Sadly, she did not. Oh, yes. too bad. I'm sorry about that. But Paul, no thank, you, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for your interest. That's Paul Zare, who's a University of Victoria neuroscientist. Also has a love of superheroes, though, and has been studying them as well. He's the author of a book about becoming Batman. His latest is also called Chasing Captain America, How Advances in Science, Engineering, and Biotechnology Will Produce a Superhuman, which is kind of cool, right?